Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Denmark's Broader. They just released their new album. It's hard to pronounce. I'm going to try. It's called Scar Preter Fossilet, and it's out now on Extremely Rotten Productions. They are, as I said, from Denmark. Believe it or not, that's a duo. 
The song was called Bondage Act. And I'm sure, as always, disclaimer, I'm saying all this stuff wrong, but I'm doing my best. They've been around since 2014, uh, metamorphosized a couple of times with their sound, but they've ended up on this, which is a fuzzed out, sludgy, blackened death metal slash war metal that you just heard on this track to open up this episode of Getting It Out podcast. Some might just simplify it by calling it death metal, and you can do that. And you know what? I think I will too. So from that death metal, we move on to more death metal. On this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with Layla Abdul Rauf of Vastum. And we're talking about their, and we've got a few things to talk about, including their new album coming soon on 20 Bucks Spin Records. But before we do any of that, how about some hot zone? Check it! It is officially November. We've made it past Halloween. Not a very eventful Halloween here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, at least not on my street at my house. A few trick-or-treaters. One kid told me he saw Legos in my house. He was right. But that's what he said when I opened the door. I saw Legos. I said, yeah. In there? He said, yeah. I said, that's correct. I gave him some candy and he left. Good transaction. Shout out to all the parents who did a good job of uh, staying off of my doorstep and just staying on the sidewalk at the street and just waving, saying thanks, moving on. That's the way to do it, man. We don't need highs and buys and awkward conversation. Your kid comes up here, I give him some candy, everybody splits. Good deal. Anyway, happy that it all went well, and I'm happy that the 76ers have finally traded James Harden. Did you really think we were going to do an episode of Getting It Out podcast and not talk about this? Come on. If you've ever listened to this, you know I typically will touch on the Philadelphia 76ers, but with news this big, we're going in. All right, not that deep. The 76ers have finally traded James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers. Is it a good deal? Sure. Is it a great deal? No, not really. They got a list of bums back to play. None of them are going to effectively contribute to any type of winning this season. Robert Covington misses more layups than anybody in the league not named DeAnthony Melton. His defense is seriously lacking from what it used to be when he made all defensive teams when he was a part of the Philadelphia 76ers the first time around. Nicholas Batum, I don't know if he's any good anymore. He's French. He's 35. What does that tell you? Nothing. Nothing much. Uh, Maybe he can can hit some threes here and there. That remains to be seen. Uh, Marcus Morris. I don't want nothing to do with that guy, but I do like having mean players. So uh, whatever. And he's from Philadelphia. So, hey, maybe he can hit a corner three here and there. I don't know. Are these guys really going to make the rotation? And then there's Kenya Martin Jr., which people are confusingly calling KJ Martin Jr. I don't understand that. Can someone please clarify? Is it one? Is it the other? Is it both? How can it be? How can you be KJ Martin and also Kenyon Martin Jr.? Is the J in KJ Jr. If so, things are out of order and it's really fucking me up. Anyway, the big part of that trade was the picks that the Sixers got from the Clippers and uh, by way of Oklahoma City. Who knows where that pick initially came from? There's some pick swaps. If you're not into basketball at all, this can get very confusing very fast. If you are into basketball a lot, 
it's still very confusing. Either way, James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petrusev are out in Philadelphia, and those other bombs are in. Does that equal immediate uh, wins? No, I don't think so. Hopefully, everything is eventually flipped for a better player. Remains to be seen. There's not many free agents on the horizon. Who knows what's going to happen here? But uh, I'm excited for it because what I've seen from the 76ers so far in their first three games of the year has been good. Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, perfect team. Let's just keep it that way. I'm cool with it. We need some more defense. Who's going to start the four now that they got rid of P.J. Tucker? It can't be Oubre. Keep him on the bench. We need that scoring. I don't have much uh, much confidence in that continuing, by the way. Anyway, also on sports, the Philadelphia Eagles remain the best record in football. I was going to say undefeated, but that's not true. But that's good. This week they got the stupid Cowboys and my life will be in shambles if they lose that one. But, uh, you know, whatever. I'll pick it up and move on as needed if necessary. That's enough about sports. What's going on on this episode of the podcast? Well, I already told you. I'm having trouble speaking this morning, it sounds like. Layla Abdul-Ralph is here to talk about the new Vastum record dropping November 10th on 20 bucks Spin Records. It's an excellent slab of death metal. There's been a lot of great death metal records being released recently, and this one is another to add to the list. It's really going to muck up some album of the year lists that we uh, briefly touch on in this conversation. And uh, I think I like it like that. Chaos is good. You want to hear some of that chaos? How about we play some of that chaos? This is Indwelling Archon. And then my conversation with Layla.
yeah, I've been into weird music, loud music, extreme music since my teens. Um, I grew up right outside New York City, so I actually could like take a bus into Manhattan. Mm. Um, there was a bus that could pick me up across the street from my parents' house. So, um, and that was, you know, back in the early nineties, New York was still like New York, like the old New York ish. I mean, when I talk to people, my parents' age, it's like, no, New York was something else, but back in the sixties or whatever, but it was still like kind of this exciting, dangerous place. And, you know, all the, all the old record stores were still around and, you know, a lot of the venues I used to go to, uh, like in the Lower East Side were around. Um, Maxwell's in Hoboken was a frequent spot for like all ages shows. And so, yeah, I think it was just getting into that music, like around age 13, 14 and making friends that were into that music all throughout high school, trading tapes, you know, dubbing mixtapes for each other and, um, and, and going to shows, you know, that was, uh, that was a big part of my adolescence. So, um, and then learning guitar, I self-taught, uh, since I was 13. And, um, before that I had this like background of studying classical music and jazz flute and trumpet. And I still play trumpet for my solo project. Um, but there was this big gap where I was, really just playing guitar in bands. And, um, and it wasn't actually until I left the East coast where I actually started singing in bands too. So well, that's yeah. like a, a robust musical background, you know, like was that influenced by somebody in your house that pointed you in that direction? <sighs> sort of. I like my parents were, so my mom and my dad and my stepdad are, were all like musically talented, mm. but never went into music, like never actually like went out or like played gigs or recorded or anything like that. But, um, uh, but they encouraged it. And I was, I think, I think most of it was the schools, like the public schools I went to. I was really lucky that they support, they had really well-funded uh, music and arts programs. So that encouraged me in terms of, you know, the, the more classical music stuff, but, um, but yeah, that definitely, you know, I have a strong music theory background and then I studied music composition when I was in college. So yeah, I had all this sort of like traditional training, if you will, but then, I'm, I would use maybe some of it or think about it when I'd write my own music, but not really like, right. especially when I was doing like punk and hardcore, I wasn't, yeah. you know, using it it's as much. As basic as it gets, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Although, you know, even, even the bands I was doing in high school were kind of like weird and proggy in their own ways. <laughs> well, what was there a specific uh, catalyst or band or influence that tipped you towards the extreme side of music? Uh, well, I mean, if we're going way, way back to like MTV headbangers ball era, <laughs> you know, that's like the first time I heard like metal. Right. Um, but I don't know, like I was, I wasn't really a metal head until I got to college. Cause I was really into like, I was more into, um, 
kind of punk, hardcore, industrial, goth, and like that stuff first. Hmm. So my trajectory and, and like prog music, like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and yes. And Jethro Tull, like I was into all that shit before I was into like Slayer or like, um, I don't know, um, like Swedish metal or Hmm. anything that, that I was into sort of like later in the nineties, but yeah. So it wasn't sort of this straightforward, like, you know, I discovered metal and then I started playing metal. There was all this stuff in between that happened. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting trajectory. Cause like, if I think about the way that I came to appreciate proggier stuff, like, yes, like thinking close to the edge is like the best album ever is by going backwards is by like being into the extreme stuff first. And then like, you know, loving Slayer when I was a kid and then appreciating yes as an adult, you know, what? Just the two examples you mentioned there. Yeah, totally. That's, that's, that's the way it usually happens. Right. 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 But it was the other way around for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's fast forward then to Vastum and how this all, this band comes together. How many years has the band been around now as a whole? Um, coming up on 14, 14. in December. Yeah. So and, have, of, and this is your fifth album, right? Yeah, this is our fifth album. Yeah. And I was going to say the title of it, but I know I can't. So can you please say it the first time for me? Sure. Inward to Gethsemane. See, Gethsemane. That's, I was ne- there's no way I was going to say it like that. It was going to be... Well, see, I didn't grow up Catholic like, uh, yeah. like, like my bandmate. Um, but that's, that was Dan, our singer's... Uh, that was his his concept and idea to name, name, give it that title. Well, I did, I did look up what it was and now I understand it was a garden at the foothills of something in Jerusalem. Agony garden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So a little bit familiar now with what Jesus was before he was crucified and yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, uh, so I can, you know, get a little bit of meaning from that just based on that. But, um, were you, were you original member of the band? Yeah. yeah, Dan and I are the only original members left. Was this band you you and Dan coming together to create? I'm, I'm saying that in a weird way, but like, was this like a, a vision that you two had that you wanted to put together and go forward, or did you just kind of end up in the same band? And I I wouldn't say that we started out as as just me and Dan's vision, um, mm-hmm. because when we started the band, it was very much a collective vision of all five people that were in the band. So, so me, Dan, Kyle, the other guitar, our original guitarist, co-guitarist, mm-hmm. uh, Luca, our bassist and RD, our drummer, which was the lineup on the first album, Carnal Law. Um, I'd say it was very much like, like collectively brought about. Um, and, uh, RD, um, was, Basically, like he was playing with those guys a little bit before I was in a different project called Corpus, which is interesting because mm-hmm. we have a song on this new album called Corpus Fractum. But yeah. so that that theme is always sort of like hung around um, Dan Psyche, I think, because I think he came up with that name, too. So they recorded this demo, which was amazing, was sort of this sort of death punk uh, style. And. I had just, my, my previous band Soros had broken up and that was the band that I formed when I first moved to the Bay area 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So when when Corpus got together and recorded this demo, I was blown away. I was like, this is you guys have to like get this out or play some shows. And then uh, Kyle approached me after that recording and said, well, we could really use another guitar player. And uh, so you want to jam with us? And we did. And that was the root of Vastum. Hmm. So like we were playing those old Corpus songs and then I brought some new songs, which was sort of the beginning of Carnal Law. And yeah, so it was definitely like those guys were around sort of in this pre-band and then I, I came and fucked everything up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think many would argue the opposite of that because like right away from Carnal Law on, I mean, and every album since, there's been a lot of love out there for Vastum. And I know that this album is specifically is a really highly anticipated and rightfully so I've, you know, had the privilege to listen to it quite a bit and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I don't see any reason why other people wouldn't, but the, like, so a question I have about the music and Vastum as the band, it's pretty dark and ugly music, right? Which, but I'm sure that's fun to create. How do you explain that to people like creating something that's this ugly and dark or whatever is, is fun. It's fun. It's not always fun. Actually, <laughs> sometimes it's painful, like giving birth or something. Although I can't, I'm not, I'm not a mother, so I can't really compare. I don't know what that pain is like, but, right. but I, it's sort of this, like the sort of the psychic version of it, like, like struggling, like it's a struggle, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, it's, it's about searching down deep in yourself and finding the darkest possible thing you can imagine whether you experienced it or imagined it and and making it like bringing it to fruition in a way that is received in the way that you're actually feeling it mm -hmm. and that's not always a fun process um but it's a process that i have to go through to make it what i need it to be mm -hmm. so yeah it's sort of like this going through the going through the bardos of death. <laughs> Do you ever get to the end of that process and then look at it and say, that's not fucked up enough. Like that doesn't. Oh yeah. All the it. time, yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's like, or, or I listen to it and it's like, you know, these riffs aren't really telling me anything. It's just, I feel like I'm just sort of going through the motions or it's like, like if it's not making me feel something extreme and deep, then my job isn't done. I have to keep going back and hmm. keep trying to find it, which I, I would say I, I probably went through more on this record than previous records where things just seem to happen a lot more quickly or they're just sometimes song just writes themselves. People say that songs just kind of write themselves. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I struggled a little more with this one, but, but in the end I was even happier. Do you happen say. to know why you might've struggled more in this one? I don't know. I think a lot of it is just album. Number five is never mm. easy for any band right? Yeah. <laughs> to keep going. Um, I, I know even for a lot of bands, I like like the several albums in it, just the quality tends to drop. I think there's something just hard about, coming up with fresh ideas when you're on, um, when you're several albums in. Um, so it's, and it's sort of this balance. It's like, 
we don't we never want to make Vastum like a completely different style or genre like we want to retain the core of what it is because it is does have this very powerful strong core but we want to experiment a little too you know mm -hmm. so um so trying to experiment in this very sort of constrained genre isn't easy i think that's why it took a long time and dan and i are always trying to push ourselves uh lyrically vocally on every album. And I think, you know, each album is sort of a, a representation of how, how we keep evolving. So, mm. um, I'm quite happy with how this one came out vocally, especially. Being that or mentioning, you mentioned it was fifth album and I noticed that it's taken, well, it's taken four years since your last, um, since or official purge, which took four years since whole below is that, uh, representative of the kind of struggle, not struggle, whatever the, the creative process getting more difficult. No, I don't think so. I think the, the big gaps in time have to do with everyone's, uh, busy schedules, getting busier and, um, you know, having it, like, uh, you know, it, like, our rhythm section for, for instance, uh, Chad and Colin, like they have another band Mortuous that tours a lot. Um, right. Chad has Necrot, like, like all of those bands have like kind of exploded in the past, mm -hmm. uh, since our, the, the last two Vastum albums came out. Right, right. And, and so I think, um, that has a lot to do with, uh, why we can't get together as often. Um, Dan's been working on his PhD, which he's wrapping up in a couple months. So it's, you know, I have my solo, pro my solo projects gotten busier. I've been touring. So it's like trying to just align like five right. people's schedules has been like, like Shelby moved to the East coast. So that was the first, like having to work long distance and, you know, we're not a band that, you know, makes use of all the technological tools out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, luckily Shelby was very savvy with, you know, all the, the tablature and, um, you know, we made each other videos of our songs and sent them back and forth. And we were kind of working that way. So that, that helped, but, but yeah, I think all of these factors played into the, these long gaps of time. Hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, when, when you spell it all out like that, because especially, you know, with the success of, uh, like you said, Chad's other bands and uh, the moving across country, that'll do it. A PhD thrown in there, too. And all of your because I know about your solo stuff as well. Yeah. Everything you just said. So would you, how would you say that this record is different from the previous releases? It's definitely more adventurous in terms of the sound it's taking our core sound and pushing it further into something new. I think more than the other albums before, like we're mm -hmm. using clean vocals this time. Um, the synth sections are more prominent than they were on the previous records. We're using samples in in this very sort of lurid way. <laughs> and um, yeah. And I think, uh, even the cover art is, is more complex. I don't know. There's all of these things combined, I think, um, to me represent sort of this evolution into this newer sound, mm. which I think we're going to keep going with on the next record. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things that you just mentioned there are captured in the last single that you guys put out and you mentioned earlier, Corpus Fractum, which is eight minutes and closes the record. And I know like these aren't meant to be traditional singles, right? It's not supposed to be a, but tell me about the idea to release a song like that, that isn't even close to the three minute front of the record type of track. Yeah. Interesting. You bring that up because the other thing that was challenging about this record is um, everyone wanted a different uh, track sequence Mm -hmm. and we, it took us forever to come up with the final track sequence because I really wanted uh, Corpus Fractum to open the record Mm -hmm. because I wanted, I wanted that to be sort of the album statement. Yeah. And um, because I think that song, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Song especially is different from all the others and is more of the sound that I want to continue on, on future releases. So the, uh, that song, it either had to like open or close the album, you know, that's the, with the yeah, song. I, was saying, that I can long, see the, right? the argument for closing with it being like, well, here's where we're going. You know, like I, this is what we're going to say on the way out and this is how we'll come back. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I, and I like the, the sequence that we sort of compromised on, which actually has grown on me. I really like it a lot now. Um, it was the one that our bass player Colin came up with and, uh, that, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good way to put it that, that as the closer, it's sort of like here, like to be continued. Right. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a good point. Um, it was the song that, I started writing first for the record and finished last. So it took me almost three years to write that um, because I wanted to leave a lot of the, especially like the middle section of the song open Mm -hmm. to improvisation in the studio. Like I wasn't sure I was going to do clean vocals there, but then it sort of came to me as I kept listening to our demos and um, all the feedback that the guitar feedback that Shelby does in the middle. Um, and then it wasn't until we were actually in the studio that Dan came up with the idea for the samples at the mm-hmm. beginning. And so we actually ended up like changing the structure of the song and making it longer so we could add all these extra elements. 
But in the end, yeah, I'm really the, happy. the samples certainly stick out there in the front. And uh, I mean, unsettling, not the most <laughs> pleasant, oh, pleasant yeah. stuff to put in there. Um, where, where do you come across stuff like that? How does that, was that just the internet searching? Uh, is that, where, where did the I forget archives Dan came up with those. Stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the first sample is of a serial killer, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, or not a serial killer. I think he's um uh he's a sex offender like a serial yeah, it sounds sex like someone with kids it sounds like yeah. child abuser and yeah. then and then um and then the next sample is the child abused grown up mm. being interviewed so that's I found that juxtaposition to be really compelling but that was all Dan he that was <laughs> like we kind of it's like well I definitely want something from these interviews uh, at the beginning, but so we got to make the beginning longer now. So we had to like, mm-hmm. you know, find a way to do that, to make it work and not make the song, which I think, you know, when you add all these elements, you can repeat the riffs longer without them sounding boring, mm-hmm. but they actually sound like they're building towards something, which is something that I think the song does from start to finish. Like you have this kind of like, sort of call to arms like these like warlike drums at the beginning and then they build into this sort of expansive sort of ambient section in the middle and then and then it gets all fast and thrashy at the end yeah well now that that song's been out for i don't know how long maybe maybe a week maybe not maybe a couple of days a few, I days, it, few days a few days yeah. <laughs> yeah it was earlier this week i think uh what, what's been the uh what's been the feedback on that one are people into it well, I've been hearing from people personally mm. that say they love it, but honestly, like the feedback on on the internet, I haven't been seeing much at all, not since the first single came out. So I don't know what people think. Maybe they're kind of in shock. Or like, <laughs> like is this a, vast and we're them a listening week to? Till they, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> till they digest it. Yeah. Cause it's not the, not the typical uh vastum track you know not totally out of character either but just not the typical not what, what people come to expect yeah I'd imagine. in fact uh 20 bucks spinner label didn't think it, it would make a good single at all yeah. it was kind of like discouraging it which i totally understand um but dan and i were like no this has to be we have to get this like out there and like highlighted so that mm-hmm. people people know this is this is not one to overlook yeah, that's interesting. The, 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 well, like when I was talking to you earlier, I said like, you know, quote unquote single, because obviously, you know, this, that's not None of your songs are going to the fucking radio or a normal radio. You know what I mean? So like, and to hear like the apprehension on the side of 20 bucks spin, cause but maybe I just don't understand the, the purpose a single serves for this type of music now. And like you guys are talking about you and Dan saying that we want to get it out there and highlight it and make sure that it's knowing that this is an important part of the record. To me, that makes sense as a reason to do it that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, you're right. Like what, what is a single really doing these days? I guess it's just giving you a sample of the whole yeah. thing, especially with death metal where there's not significant variety between the songs, right. but it's giving you just this, this brief taste. And I think it's like, um, you know, PR cycles are generally a couple of months. So you want to like, give everyone a morsel every now and then, but it's not really 
and it's, it's purpose isn't to be like purchased separately, like back in the old days of right. You're not getting you know, a 45s or yeah. like, yeah. Playing it in the clubs or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dance clubs I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, with the record ending like that, not even just with the record ending like that, but with the record as a whole, is there a, um, I don't know, is there a sense or feeling or type of message that you want people who listen to the album to walk away with? Or do you like it just being a choose your own adventure type of thing? Ah, I never like to tell people Mm. what to walk away with. Yes. Because, yeah, and... You know, Dan and I are equally writing lyrics on the record, so it's not like one lyricist, you know, one mm-hmm. sort of lyrical concept um, covering the whole album. And, you know, our concepts are pretty different. So I I think, I don't know if it's quite choose your own adventure, but um, it, when when people listen to something that's dark and harrowing, and disturbing they're going to relate to it in their own way anyway um even though there are topics of abuse and um you know the fallen christ and all of these sort Mm -hmm. of biblical symbols and um people are going to make put their own personal um uh meaning to it anyway so it's no matter how hard I think you try to give a message, people are going to, you know, relate to it in their own unique way. And that's, and I think that's, that's the way it should be. Yeah, sure. I, I'm with you on that. That's good. Um, the, you mentioned before, uh, 20 bucks pin, of course, and it's been mentioned in the press materials that you guys have been with 20 bucks spin longer than anybody else, which I didn't know was a stat. I didn't know that either until the, the press release <laughs> came out. That was a, that was a surprise. But how, why does that relationship work so well? Well, Dave is super awesome to work with for one. Um, and you know, he's, he's just always rallied for us, you know, even though we're a band that doesn't really do like long tours um even just our live shows are kind of sporadic we'll Mm -hmm. play like a few festivals a year um you know the longest tour i think we ever did was in europe like which was like eight shows or something um which is not ideal for a label but i think um you know but i think we've done well on his label Mm um and you know we've never like tried to get on like a bigger label, uh, which a lot of bands, you know, do if, you know, they'll, they'll have sort of the more DIY bands kind of putting out their early stuff and then they'll get signed. They'll get Stepping scooped stone, up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we never saw 20 bucks spin as that way. At least I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought, well, he's doing such a great job and he's working with all of our quirks, which we have a lot of yeah. as a band <laughs> that, like, I really appreciate that. I don't want to like, let that go. And, um, and it just, it seems like he's just in it for the long haul. So like, Mm. I don't, why, why mess with that? Um, yeah. And I think he's done an amazing job for not just for us, but for all the bands he's, he's worked with and it just seems to keep growing. I mean, we, like, I remember when his label was much smaller and, Mm. 
you know, more on the DIY level. And, and it's just, it's really great to see over the past 15 years, like what, I mean, I don't know how long the label's been around, probably longer than that, maybe 20 years. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, or longer. I, I don't remember actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't um, either, so. I, I, <laughs> I moved to the Bay area 20 years ago and that's, that's when I started hearing about the label, but, mm. um, but I think it's just, it's, it's great to see the trajectory he's been on and he's like expanded into other genres and, um, and they all seem to be doing great. So that's, it's such a wonderful thing to, to witness after all this time. Yeah. It's really become a place to go for like what a lot of people consider like the premier underground, especially death metal stuff. Um, which is interesting because I remember coming across 20 bucks spin by Paul bear with their first record was on 20 bucks spin, yeah. which is not like, so, not a sound I would necessarily like, you know, put to the label these days, which I know he does whatever the fuck he wants. And I think that's great, but it's, For but sure. it's become one of those labels that, you know, you can expect consistency from and, uh, Vastum being there for a long period of time is, uh, a great example of that. And the amount of shit that he's putting out, I can't even keep up with. Uh, there's just the amount of stuff that's dropping yeah. this month and next month. Uh, you guys, Gravesend, um, there's Worm and uh, whoever, Dream Unending just dropped the thing. Like there's just, yeah. uh, it's just a ton of stuff. And like as someone like me who tries to keep track of it to do press stuff, it's even, it's a lot, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I think, um, I think like he, there was a, a very tight crunch with all of those records. Like it seems like there's like these clusters of albums that all just kind of come out around the same time. And, um, you know, maybe the rest of the year it's not as busy, but, but yeah, he seems to be putting out a lot of stuff kind of all the time, which, which is, and it all seems to be doing really well. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the impressive part. That's, that's a hard thing to accomplish. Right. To not, yeah, to not miss. And, uh, seems to be the case. And I don't see any reason why, why you guys wouldn't, uh, be another hit. Um, I don't think we mentioned, and we should, that the record comes out on November 10th. I, I don't, it seems like an odd question, but is there any significance to that date for anybody? No, that's, that's the date that's Dave gave date. us. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and we were actually, it was a scramble to try to get the record ready to be out by November because mm. we we'd been wrapping it up since the summer and it takes time, you know, with the press cycle, you know, getting the vinyl ready, you know, getting, getting the cover art all laid out, like all of that. It actually takes more time than re recording the album itself. Right. So that's a lot of people don't realize that the bulk of the time is actually the layout, the cover art, getting it to the pressing plant, getting it back from the pressing plant mm -hmm. and getting the PR stuff ready. Like that's sometimes triple the time that it takes to record the album. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I mean, like I said, I work in printing, so I know how long production things can take. And I also, I always feel like there's a, you, you said by November and that made me think about how there's always like a, what I consider to be like a two month uh, zone where nobody wants to release the record. In exactly. December, I was going to say December, no one wants to put out records because it's the holidays and things are slowing down or people aren't, people are like, whatever checked out for the yeah. holidays. Yeah. You're not going to make the year end list. You're not going to, you know, you're not, you're, the thing, right, the year people... end list are already. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably the biggest part of it, but yeah. 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 But, well, uh, all right. This, uh, the record comes out November 10th. I just said that. What are you most looking forward to with the release of this one? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to know what people think of this, like 
newer, newish direction. And, um, I'm really excited to start playing live again. Um, it's been, it's been some time where, um, we're auditioning new guitarists right now. Um, since, uh, uh, Shelby left the band right after the recording. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we've been talking to new people and once, you know, we're excited to like get, get the band, the live version of the band back up and running and, uh, maybe getting out and doing some shows and festivals, uh, in 2024. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Layla. And the song you just heard was that epic eight minute closer. We talked about Corpus Fractum. That track is available everywhere right now. Seems like a long song to play in the middle of an episode, but hey, it was a lot of the subject matter of that interview. So it seems to make sense that you hear it. And like you heard the woman say, she wants people to hear the song. So there you go. It's there for you. It's my favorite track on the record, if I'm being honest. So I'm happy to share it with you. And you should be happy to hear it. You should be happy with so many things. You should be happy that you're alive and listening to this podcast. Not just because you're listening to this podcast, just because you're alive and listening to anything. That's good for all of us. To all the people who aren't alive anymore, I miss you. Well, most of you, some of you, some much more than others. But anyway, thanks to Layla for her time, for her conversation. Thanks to Vastum, the whole crew, for the new record. Inward to Gethsemane. Did I say that right? Did I get it? Do you know how many times I tried to say that earlier in the editing of this podcast and I've just totally edited it all out because I was way off? I think I might've just done it. I'm leaving this all in. I am impressed with myself. It only took about 45 tries. There we go. Keep at it. I think I can. I think I can. Thomas the Tank Engine stuff. Anyway. You should go over to gettingitout.net, check out what's going on. It is November, as I mentioned in the opening, so it's a new month. It's a new bunch of stuff that's going to roll out. You might have noticed that there was not a record label episode in October. There is a record label episode recorded. We are intentionally holding it to drop early next week because there is some news in it that we can't put out yet. That's with a record label that you will find out about shortly when it drops November 7th. Okay. So there will be two label spotlights in November. The other one, TBD, but irons are in the fire. Hey, and November is going to be the last month of the year that I'm doing things regularly on Getting It Out podcast. What does that mean? It means that uh, typically a lot of the guests are booked on the show by PR people, public relations people emailing me saying, hey, how about this band? Would you mind having them on the podcast? And I go, most of the time I go, hey, yeah, that sounds good. If I don't want to, I just ignore it. I found that's the only way to do it. But I think in December, it's going to be Dan's way. It's going to be just me reaching out to people directly, people that I want to have on the podcast. It's like a it's like a little gift to myself. It's a Christmas gift to myself that I only want to have on people that I really want to talk to or friends of mine. So look out for that in December. It's going to be the same format. You won't notice a difference other than maybe uh, some more natural conversation. You'll see that when we get there. And we're not there yet. November just started and you need to listen to more death metal. And how about we do that with a new track from Autopsy? Their new record just dropped, Ashes, Organs, Blood, and Crips, just in time for Halloween last Friday on Peaceville Records. But the video for the new single, Rabid Funeral, just released this week. Check out the song. It's here. You can't watch it, but you can listen to it. And then go to their page on gettingitout.net and check out the video. That's it for this one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.